ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, thanks again for joining me on the No Higher Calling podcast. This episode is going to be my quarter one reading challenge update. Um, So through the podcast, usually at the end of every quarter, I try to let you know what I've been reading, um, maybe get some recommendations from these podcast episodes. Um, But I love to read. It is become a one of my favorite hobbies, one of my favorite pastimes. Um, one, I do it just because I enjoy it. But two, my life has been so enriched um, through reading. And it's been such a blessing to my life, to my family, um, hopefully to you. So much of what I share on the podcast is kind of an a, a overflow of what God is teaching me through different books and different resources and things that He has put in my path. Um, so I am excited to share with you what I've been reading in this quarter. This first quarter has been kind of crazy for our family because it started off in the United States and it is ending in Australia. Um, we had a huge international move in between that, but I am very pleased with where I am ending the quarter at, I believe, 16 books. Um, now, if you're wondering how on earth did she read 16 books with all of that going on, insert the wonderful blessing of audiobooks. I listened to a lot of audiobooks while we were late night packing, and then while we were in Australia trying to get settled in, uh, audiobooks really helped me to keep tracking towards my goal because my goal for this year is 50 books. That is what I'm shooting towards, 50 books for me personally. And then for the past two years, Simeon and I have had the goal to read uh, one book a quarter together. And so we finished that book for this first quarter. I'll share that in the reviews. Um, But just a couple quick things. uh, If you're just kind of hopping on here and you aren't used to following me, if you enjoy book reviews, um, probably the most current way to stay up with what I'm reading is on Instagram. So you can find me at no higher calling underscore. Every time I finish a book, I post it on my stories and then I actually have saved it in a highlight. Um, so you can go through, I believe the past three years, maybe, um, in my highlights and you can find my books that I have read in my highlights. Um, also I have a blog post that always launches when these episodes come out. That will have all the details of where you can find these books, um, some different formats you can find these books in. Those are Amazon affiliate links. So if you want to check out one of these books that I recommend, it is always a blessing to our family when you purchase through one of those links. Um, And then I also recently did a YouTube video on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel, which I will link down in the show notes, of a glimpse into my bookshelf. So that just was kind of an overview. I, I, I did a little like, pan through my bookshelf, a quick pan through my bookshelf on Instagram recently. And every, all these people kept messaging me saying, please slow down and let us write down what you have on your bookshelf. So I decided I'd just make a quick YouTube video, um, pulling out some of my favorites, but giving you a slower glimpse into what's on my shelf. So if you want to check that out, feel free to check that out on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. But without further ado, let's just jump right in to the books that I have been reading in this quarter. So the first one is Family Worship by Donald Whitney. 
okay, ladies, every Christian family needs to read this book. Get the book, read it with your husband. It is life changing and it's not that long. Um, it's a, it's an easy book to finish. If you think, well, I'm not really a reader. It'll take me six months to get through it. It's not, it, it, you'll quickly, quickly get through this book. But this was such a good book on the importance of instilling family worship into the Christian home. Um, the author looks at that from the Bible, um, from examples in history, and then just some really practical things on what family worship uh, should look like or could look like in the home. I actually did a whole podcast episode at the beginning of this year talking about family worship and so much of it I gleaned from this book. Um, so this is an absolute must read. Uh, the author says consistent father-led family worship is one of the best, steadiest, and most easily measurable ways to bring up children in the Lord's discipline instruction, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You want to read this. This is one of the most impactful books that I have read. We have, since reading that, we have incorporated a lot of these things into our family rhythm, and we have seen such fruit and such blessing from that. So if you hear nothing else, get your hands on family worship. Uh, okay, so the next four books I'm going to kind of lump together. I read The Wingfeather Saga. Now, I don't normally read fiction books. That, that was like something that I read a lot of in my teen years, in my 20s, that I didn't really read any like nonfiction books at all. Um, but then I became a mom and a wife and heavily involved in ministry. And I was like, I need to glean from other people because I just am lacking in so many things. And I realized that there's just such a, a wealth of wisdom um, out there from other women who love the Lord, who God is teaching things to. And God teaches us all um, things in different ways, through different seasons and circumstances. So I realized that I needed to glean from other women. Anyway, all that to say, I don't normally read a lot of fiction, but every now and then it's really nice, especially if I kind of get in like a reading lull, it's great to throw in a good fiction book that just keeps you up all night because you can't put it down. Um, and that's what the Wingfeather Saga was for me. Uh, I had had several friends recommend it, several friends that were reading it aloud to their kids. And it really kind of started out as a, well, I want to see if this is something that would be good for me to read to my oldest daughter, Eden. So um, she's six, so I try to really vet what I read to her, and I was hearing that this was just an amazing series, but also looked a little mature for her, so I was like, well, I'll just read it. Um, some friends of mine were reading it, so we kind of jumped in on it together, and that was so much fun. If you're trying to really just get your reading um, revamped and, and revved up and ready to go, either get a fiction book or get a fiction book and read it with a friend. You'll have so much fun. And uh, so that's what I did with this one. And a lot of these, well, actually, maybe one or two of these were audiobooks. Um, but this was during our move. So this is like right before we came for the move. And it was just such a nice like little uh, escape that I could enjoy a book in the midst of the craziness. But I read all four books, um, On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness, North There Be Eaten, The Monster in the Hollows, and The Warden and the Wolf King of the Wingfeather Saga by Andrew Peterson. And they were really good. The storyline was really good. It was very clean. Um, it just kept me captivated with the storyline. I will have to say, after reading them, 
It is not something I will be reading to Eden probably for at least a couple years. Now, I know every kid is different, um, but she's very sensitive to scary things. And the book wasn't like super scary, but it just had a few things um, that just were more intense. And then the fourth book did tend to be a little bit more scary. Um, you know, it's just like every good story, that battle between good and evil and things like that. Um, so we'll put that on pause for her for a few years, but it was a great, uh, fiction series that I really enjoyed reading. It was just, it was kind of fun to jump back into that. And like I said, just to be up late at night, not being able to go to sleep because I just have to read one more chapter, which always leads to one more chapter. Okay, so the next book is Everyday Confetti by Karen Emmon and Glynis Whitwer. So this was a really fun read. This was really just celebrate about celebrating the everyday, celebrating life. Um, and that can look different whether it's celebrating major holidays like Christmas or Thanksgiving or Valentine's Day or celebrating birthdays or, you know, celebrating something that is important to your family. So our family has, uh, Simeon and I started this a long time ago, we have I Love You Day. So the 20th of every month is I Love You Day. And, you know, actually, now that life is super busy, sometimes I Love You Day comes and goes. Um, and oftentimes, I Love You Day is nothing more than being like, hey, babe, it's I Love You Day. And he, you know, we just kiss or hug or just remember it. Um, in our early days of marriage, it tends to, we tried to plan a date day around it or something. Um, but we kind of have that little tradition in our family. Uh, but there's, there were just so many different things. Um, even just like, you know, you, ha you have your national day for everything, national bacon day, national donut day. Um, but so you don't want to celebrate all of those or you'll literally be celebrating something every single day. And if you celebrate something every day, it really takes out the excitement of the celebration because celebration no more becomes something that is, you know, extra above and beyond. It's commonplace. So you don't want to do that. Um, but I liked, as she pointed out things, you know, some things we were like, well, that's not really something that interests us or that's not really how our family jives, but Hey, you know, national book day, that one got marked on the calendar, and I'm already thinking of ways that we're going to celebrate National Book Day because that is something that speaks to our family. That is something that we enjoy, and that is something that I would like to start a little tradition to celebrate with our family. And I think it's important to remember, and she talks about this, that when you when you celebrate things, it doesn't have to be this expensive, elaborate, you know, take off work for the day, buy all these decorations. It doesn't have to be that. Um, you want to do something that's manageable that you can continue, especially if you want to make it into a tradition, continue throughout the years. Um, but even just a little extra something is, is just fun. It's something fun to do. So the next book is called Holy Huga. Uh, <laughs> that's a difficult word to read and say, but it is apparently a buzzword now. And it was by Jamie Erickson, creating a place for people to gather and for the gospel to grow. So this one was a really good mix of hospitality, of Bible, of slowing down and savoring the beauty of life, and then Huga. 
So hygge is a Danish word, and it's actually interesting because there is no English equivalent for this word. We can't really translate it into English. Um, but it has the idea of comfort and consolation. On the back of her book, uh, it says, it's a way of making the mundane and necessary meaningful and beautiful. It's soul rest. Who needs soul rest? I think we all could use some. When you sit in a comfy chair by the fire, that's hygge. When you arrange a fresh bouquet of wildflower wildflowers on a bedside table, that's hygge too. Candles, soft furnishings, natural light, fresh baked pastries, intimate gatherings with friends. These are all hygge. So this was just a challenge to slow down, enjoy life, enjoy the moment, find contentment, embrace beauty, and then to spill that out on others around you. And hospitality is a huge thing that is on my heart. I have just seen the impact that that can have, um, not just as a ministry family, but just as a Christian family that is in trying to do our part to encourage and strengthen the brethren and to spread the gospel of Christ. Um, I have seen the power that hospitality has in that, in inviting people in, welcoming people in, and trying to create an atmosphere that is welcoming, that that is comforting, and um, that has these ideas of this comfort and consolation and connection. So I really enjoyed that book. That was a really good one. The next one is Own Your Life by Sally Clarkson. I love Sally Clarkson. When I grow up one day, I want to be just like Sally. Um, She is such a gem, such a wealth of wisdom. I've read many of her books. Um, This one was really good, and it really came... At a, at a very important time in my life as so much was changing and um, stepping out into an unknown. The challenge behind owning your life is really just accepting responsibility for your life, for your path that you're on, and determining to embrace your purpose that God has created you for and to walk it out on a daily basis. And, and this book was just packed with um, just so much wisdom and practical life application and just the challenge to live every day with spiritual intention and to, to watch those moment-by-moment life decisions add up to to cultivating a beautiful life that is bringing glory to Christ. So that was that was a great book. I I don't think I've ever picked up anything from Sally Clarkson that I have not enjoyed. The other one that I read after that would be Praying Over Your Homeschool by Stacy Lochran. So actually, uh, no, Stacy. I don't know, know her too well, but she actually goes to church with my brother and sister-in-law, and we are kind of from the same area back in Tennessee. And so I had read her first book, Joy in the Chaos, like years ago, and then did not realize that the author of that was right down the road from me. She put out this book, and she asked if I could preview that for her, so I had the joy and privilege of getting to read it early. It is now available, um, so you can find all those links on my blog post um, of where you can find that by Stacy. but this was such a powerful read, and it's not very long, um, just a small little book, but just packed with scripture and um, just the reminder that if, if we 
believe that we can come to God about anything, pray about anything, then we really can pray about anything. And and it is important to pray about everything. And one of those is your homeschooling. If you're a homeschooling mom, you will know that that brings so many joys, but it also brings quite a few challenges. Um, So this book was really just a call to homeschoolers to join hands with God in the education and the raising of your children remembering that education is so much more than ABC and one, two, three, that it is discipleship, that it is literally molding a heart and a soul into a person that will, Lord willing, grow up and accomplish what God has created their life for, a person who will grow up and own their life. Um, this, this challenge to bask every part of your homeschooling in prayer, you as the teacher, your children as the students, the curriculum that you choose to use, the methods that you choose to use, um, your daily strengths, praise God for them. Your daily struggles intercede for those things. Um, your, your community, the group of friends that, that your children have, that you have as a homeschooling family. It was such a good book. I highly recommend that if you are a homeschooling family, even if you're not a homeschooling family, I think there are still things that you could glean from that, but this was specifically written with homeschooling in mind, talking about praying over your children's homeschooling. The next book is The 4-Hour School Day by Durinda Wilson. Um, I was an education major, actually secondary English ed major. In college, um, school has always been something I loved. Like I remember going to school in elementary school. You know, you're at school from eight to three and then I would come home and I would play school with my stuffed animals until bedtime. And it wasn't just like you know, (laughs) a casual playing school. No, I would like lesson plan and I had a grade book and I'd give, I'd like write my own tests and then I'd have each one of my little stuffed animals, you know, obviously me helping them, uh, doing their test and then I'd grade it and then I'd log it in the grade. I mean, I went all out. I love school. I love learning. I knew that in some form or fashion, the education was going to be very integral in in my life forever. Um, at, at the time of, you know, being in college, I didn't know if that would look like teaching in a school, homeschooling my children. Um, I started homeschooling in sixth grade. So at the time of college, I, I knew that if I had children, I wanted to homeschool. Um, But still, I didn't know what all that looked like. So I went to college, got a very, um, just your traditional educational um, degree, very much centered towards classroom teaching. I taught in a classroom for a semester as my student teaching, and, and I really did love it. I loved it. Um, but I just did not feel like God was calling me to the classroom at the time. I had a secretarial job that I loved and I just continued that. Then I had my first child and Simeon and I just felt even more like homeschooling is what God was calling our family to. Um, here we are, you know, she's six. We are two years into homeschooling. She's year one. And I'm realizing that more and more my ideas on education might not be, the conventional things that I learned in in college, um, but I'm getting such a more rich education now. I think as I'm just gleaning from experienced um, people that have done it, whether they're mothers or educators or home educators, um, and this was one of those books. So Durinda Wilson is, I believe, a mother of eight. Yeah, eight kids. 
that she has homeschooled uh, different personalities, different learning styles, uh, one that had some learning struggles, and gleaning from her wisdom was just, it was so good. It was so refreshing. I was really praying through some specific things. Again, praying for my homeschool. I read Stacy's book. I was challenged to do that. So I was praying through some things and the Lord really answered in giving me some wisdom through this book. Talking about this four hour school day, you know, I think as homeschool families, we always have that pressure to do more, to be more, to embrace more. Um, and, and that is just for a multitude of reasons. I think often as homeschooling moms, we feel inadequate. Like, are we hitting all the bars? Are they learning all the things? Then we have the glitz and glamour of, you know, the many different curriculum choices and the book resources out there. And, you know, you think, oh, I found it. This is great. And you jump in and then this looks beautiful and that looks enticing. And this is tempting you to buy it. And then you start thinking like, oh, well, maybe I do need to incorporate more of this and more of that. And before you know it, you can have so much on your plate that you're not thriving in anything because you're so spread thin. You're so overwhelmed. So this was really a challenge to pull back and invest on the things that are important. The four-hour school day um, and, and really talking about how much could be accomplished if we really just hone in and embrace those four hours. So I've really tried to implement that in my homeschooling. Two things that she talked about in this book specifically that I'm trying to do. And that is um, to really uh, carve out a time in our day where this is focused school time. So that is our morning. Our morning time, um, we we focus on school. We focus on reading. We focus on um, getting outside in nature and incorporating that into our learning. Um, but then after lunch, that portion of our day is pretty much done. Now, that doesn't mean that learning doesn't happen throughout the day, or sometimes we might have some things flow into the afternoon. Um, but our afternoons are still very much learning-centered, but they are not learning-driven. So whereas um, from like morning till lunch, we're doing our math lessons, we're working through our gather-around homeschool lesson, the afternoon is a little more of independent learning. So I challenge, especially my oldest, you know, my, my littles are little and they're kind of napping during these hours. Um, but I encourage her, okay, you have 15 minutes of reading time. You can pick whatever you want to read. Or, you know, we're going to do a read aloud together. Or if that's a time where she really likes to do art or listen to her, you know, creation science audio drama. So she's still learning, but it's a different pace. Um, it's not so driven by me as it is driven by her, allowing her to have that freedom to explore um, things that, that really speak to her that, it, that are something that she enjoys. Which transitions me into the second thing that I really gleaned from this book is creating independent learners. Now, like I said, she is six. And it's not like she wakes up every single day just chomping at the bit to sit down and do her math lesson. Like I, I have to just, she's just like any other kid, um, any other person really. There are times where we have to be spurred uh, on to, to good things, to doing things that we are supposed to be doing. And sometimes I have to do that for her. But I'm really, I was challenged to think through and pray through ways that I can encourage independence in her learning. That um, not now, but as we transition in the next few years of her getting a little older, of being able to read more, of being a little more independent, not that I don't want to be fully involved and 100% engaged in her learning and what she's doing, 
But the reality is I have other little kids that are going to be coming up in school and there's only so much of me and so much of mommy. So you want to try to cultivate some independence in your children so that I can say, hey, while I have to sit here and like physically help your brother write out his numbers because he can't do that, you can read the instructions on your math seat work and get a head start on that. Um, But all of those things, those foundational things with the idea of if we can raise children to be independent learners, to take charge of their education, and to own their life in the sense of of their minds and of the stewardship of their learning and growth, then this will turn out adults who continue to learn, who want to read, who want to better themselves, who are always curious and asking the questions and digging in deeper. So really loved that book by Dorinda Wilson. The next one we actually read as a family. It was Gladys Allward, The Adventure of a Lifetime by Janet and Joff Benge. So this is part of the Christian Heroes Then and Now series, which is a phenomenal series. It is written for children, but like my Eden would not be able to read this on her own. I would say it's more like maybe upper elementary, even branching into middle school if your kids were going to read them by themselves. But, um... It's a really good read for families. So Simeon always does a read aloud with the kids. Usually we try to read a little bit at dinner or in the evenings. And so this has been the read aloud with daddy that we have all been listening to is the really just the life of Gladys Allward. And this has been so enriching to our family. I posted a little thing on my Instagram stories recently. My kids were outside and I kind of like peeked out to see what they were playing and they were playing Gladys Allward. Eden was the missionary and, uh, you know, all the little kids were children that she had adopted and they were trying to take the journey across the mountains um, to get to safety in the midst of World War II. And so it, it just, it reminded me anew and afresh that these are the kind of people that I want to introduce my children to. And Gladys Allward isn't still living, but I can introduce them to her through the through rich literature that shares her story. And we were able to have so many good discussions about perseverance in the face of, of difficulty, of obstacles, of the reality that when man says something is impossible, that it's always possible with God. Being able to have the bird's eye view of Gladys's life, we were able to look and see how God met her at every turn. And it was just, it was so sweet, such a, a joy to read as a family. Currently, we're now going through Corey Tim Boom. Uh, that's actually one that Eden and I are just kind of reading together. Um, but this series is fabulous. I could not recommend it enough. Introduce your kids to these great heroes of the faith. There are so many people in this world um, that our kids could want to champion or emulate or become like, but let's challenge them. Let's introduce them to people who did great things for God who gave him their lives and then watched him as he wrote an an incredible story. And Gladys is one of those people. The next book I read was Is Your Marriage a Priority by Heather Helmering. Heather actually sent me this book as a gift, and it was such a joy to get to read through this um, and give some feedback on it. But it was just a very comprehensive dive into so many different aspects of marriage. Um, I had some really good takeaways, just a lot of it rooted in Bible, scripture verses all throughout. But the challenge of Is Your Marriage a Priority? I think so many times just we get busy with life. We have children, we have jobs, we have careers, ministry happens, and marriage can get kind of put on the back burner. 
But the reminder um, that marriage is one of our highest priorities in life before the children, before the ministry, before the job, before the hobbies, marriage is what God has has given has given as a is a big priority in our lives and making sure that you keep it that way. Um, I'm going to be sharing more in a couple coming episodes of some different things that I gleaned from this book. But it was a really good book. Whether you're having marriage troubles or not, I would challenge you to read it. I know Simeon and I did an episode recently, and he made the comment um, that there is no like stagnating in a marriage. You're either moving forward, growing closer together, closer to God. Or you're going backwards. You're you're not growing closer together. You're not growing closer to God. There's no middle ground here. So I think our marriage is always something that we should be investing in, should be growing in. And reading a book on marriage is a huge help to help you kind of think through some things, reprioritize some things, and make sure that you are, are seeking to have a Christ-like marriage. The next book that I read was The Whole and Healthy Family by Jody Maccabee. I listened to this one on audiobook. And there are often times when I listen to an audiobook and I think, oh man, I bought that in an audiobook and now I'm going to have to go pay for it again so I can have a hard copy so I can highlight it and mark it all up. And that's how this book was. Um, it it just was loaded with so many good things. So the whole idea, the whole and healthy family. She tackles this from obviously the area of of health and wellness and exercise and diet and um, natural medicine, but she also comes at this from um, just having hobbies as a family that you enjoyed, of reading good books together, of loving one another well. Just such a well-rounded look at the different components that make up a whole and healthy family. I I couldn't recommend this book enough. I thoroughly enjoyed this read. Uh, Actually, (laughs) I really, okay, so we're transitioning into the next book, and I'm like, well, I thoroughly enjoyed this read too. I vet, I try to vet the books that I read before I read them. Um, Usually that comes about by recommendation of others, people that I trust, people that I know recommend books, and so I take their recommendation on it. I do a little bit of research into it and then take the plunge because the reality is I only have so much time. I only have, I mean, really, we only have so much life. And I have spent enough of years in time investing on things that were not beneficial and so I want to try to invest my time well. And, and that doesn't mean that every single moment has to be perfectly curated for, um, you know, success and um, things that are going to help me grow. There, There's definitely a place for enjoyment in life. And, and like I said, I, I read four novels, um, four fiction novels at the beginning of this year. And that was just for purely enjoyment. That did not help me grow in any way. Um, but I... All that to say, when I come to all these books and I'm like, I loved this one. I loved this one. Four stars, five stars. It's because I rarely read a three star or less book. Every now and then I do. And sometimes if I start it and I realize this isn't where, this isn't going where I think it should, or this, I don't agree with this author, or, you know, we, we disagree so much to a point that I can't really glean from it. I'll just stop the book because I have plenty other books sitting on my shelves that are waiting to be read. So All that to say, jumping back into the next book, I thoroughly enjoyed this one as well. This is Cultivate by Lara Casey. Lara Casey? Um, This one spoke to my heart in a time 
where I needed it to. Um, she really just talks about having a flourishing life, about cultivating where you are. You know, we hear the term bloom where you're planted. That's so much of what her book talks about. Um, getting away from striving for, for, for perfection and just cultivating where you are. And uh, so much of this book was a very um, garden interlaced. So she is a gardener. So much of what she learned that she wrote in this book came about from her gardening. But I loved the illustrations that gardening, that plants, that things like that, uh, that God's nature gives us to life and really helps us to understand these things. And um, I came away from this book very encouraged. Encouraged that even if life is messy and chaotic, and often brings things that we we may not want or we're trying to pray through or figure out how to navigate or figuring out how to trust God in, um, that we can still bloom in the midst of that, that God still has growth for us, that sometimes that seed, for the seed to become the beautiful tree that bears fruit, it, it had to start as a seed that was buried deep under the dirt, that were there for a time. It didn't look like any growth was happening, but it was. But it was a, a breaking of the shell, a, a pushing forth of that baby plant through the soil to get to the top. Um, and, and just some of the reminders of how that parallels to life. And we might feel like we are buried deep in the dirt and in the breaking point of of God breaking us and molding us and reshaping us, but that trusting the Lord, doing life His way, following His order, and, and trusting in His timing, all things are, are beautiful in in its time. And so this was this was good. I, I came away encouraged and I came away excited to start a garden. Now we're in Australia, so our seasons are complete opposite. We are not going into spring. We are about to go into autumn, which people are talking about autumn and winter and it's still it's like 103 degrees the other day. So, uh, the seasons are more proverbial seasons and not legitimate like weather seasons. Um, but it's still not the best time to start cultivating a garden. So this is a few months down the road, but it got me excited about the potential of what is to come. The next book that I read was Modern Miss Mason by Leah Bowden. Man, okay, back to the education topic. Wow, this was so good. So the Modern Miss Mason, if you're not familiar with Charlotte Mason, Charlotte Mason was a, a revolutionary thinker in education. Um, she was from England. Um, you know, this is years ago, but her, her ideals were just really radical for the time, but we are seeing that she knew what she was thinking. Um, looking at the child as a whole person, encouraging, um, faith, making faith foundational to education, encouraging nature and, and living books and narration and so many of these beautiful components that now make up the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling. And Leah Bowden is just, her handle is the modern Miss Mason. You can find her on Instagram. Um, I'd highly encourage you following her. She has a wealth of wisdom, especially if you're a home educator. Now I have decided that I'm not going to be labeled as a Charlotte Mason homeschooler or or an unhurried homeschooler, or uh, we're definitely not traditional homeschoolers, or even, you know, a unit study family, which is really a lot of what we do because 
Um, you know, there, there's so many of these labels, you know, you got your classical, um, Montessori, all of these different things. But um, I am learning that seasons change, children are all different, and so I often have to adapt things. So instead of being like, this is the kind of homeschool family we are, um, I say, hey, for right now, we might lean a little more heavily on this, but we embrace, you know, we, we've got the unit study. We embrace a lot of Charlotte Mason. Um, and, and I love so much of her ideas, but I wouldn't necessarily label us like a Charlotte Mason family. Anyway, all that to say, um, out of the top several homeschooling methods, Charlotte Mason is definitely one that I feel like our family most connects with. I love her emphasis on living books. She says not twaddle, not um, pointless stories that just have no purpose. And and again, that doesn't mean that everything has to be educational or everything has to be heavy. You can, there's still beauty and room to enjoy a good story. Um, but there's a difference in a good story and just pointless nonsense. You know, Charlotte's Web is a rich, great story with developed characters, with different um, settings, with with um, just uh, interest, lessons to be learned um, versus, you know, Mickey Bakes a Birthday Cake book. <laughs> so um, obviously books are a huge part of the uh, what makes up our family. So of course that's going to connect with me. My oldest loves nature. Like we were just hiking recently and I told my husband, I was like, she literally thrives in creation. We call her our little, like, uh, our forest sprite is sometimes what we call her or a little woodland fairy. It, you literally watch her soul come alive as she is out in nature. And I really was nervous when we were in Tennessee. We had a huge backyard and it was right beside the woods and it was her happy place. And I knew moving to Australia that our yard was not going to look like that. We live in a subdivision now. Um, we have a fenced in backyard. It's an itty bitty strip of grass, which actually is a really big yard for Australia. Where we live, being close to the city, you don't have a lot of land. Um, so I wasn't sure how that was going to transition, but it has been amazing to me watching her adapt to our little plot of grass and how she still manages to find so much nature. I mean, you can go back out there and in her cubby house, she's going to have different bird feathers, um, different types of grasses. Um, she's uh, growing a few different flowers in there. She has leaves, uh, different rocks. I mean, I, I don't even know where all this nature comes from. I, I don't know if it just like falls from the sky or what, because it's fenced in. Like I know these, this is as far as you can go. Um, but it is just, it is the language of her heart. And so all that to say, uh, so nature, that is not really my cup of tea, but it is what makes her come alive. And that is a foundational part of the Charlotte Mason method. Um, Leah Bowden talks about that so much in her book, The Modern Miss Mason. And, uh, I, I've seen that be such an important part of my daughter and, and my other children really, really love being outside too. And, and I think Eden being the oldest, she's very much the leader of the pack. She really brings in the other kids into that, into delighting and enjoying nature. Um, so all that to say, I am learning to embrace nature study more, to embrace um, nature journaling, things that are very Charlotte Mason. And so this book was just a great 
um, reminder to me as an educator of some of these things. It was uh, a really good um, refresh of some things that I have read from Charlotte Mason before. And just remember that children are a whole person, that they are capable of so much more than we tend to give them credit for, of not compartmentalizing them to, you are a six-year-old, this is what you learn, this is what you read, um, these are the other six-year-olds that you talk to, um, not boxing them in and labeling them based on a grade or an age, but remembering that they are a whole person and that they are capable of far more than we give them credit for and embracing that and and delighting in that and seeing them grow and flourish. So uh, this was a really good book and it's actually a brand new book. Like she just recently released this. Um, so I would recommend you getting that and diving into it more. And then the last book that uh, is the one that Simeon and I read this quarter together. It's called When People Are Big and God is Small by Edward Welch. Um, we try to go back and forth. I pick a book for a quarter, then Simeon picks a book for the next quarter just so that, um, you know, we get variety in what we read because I tend to stick to a particular genre and Simeon st tends to stick to a particular genre. So when we go back and forth, uh, we get some variety to what we read. But this one was really good. Simeon picked this one actually at the recommendation of this dear missionary friend that we have. But um, it was, it, it, it's been really convicting, I guess, for me because this is something that I struggle with. I really struggle with putting people over God, just to be quite frank with you, of letting what people think matter more to me than what God thinks. And so this book was really um, a wake-up call to thinking through those things, to thinking through uh, the root of why do I do this? Why is it so important to me what people think of me? Um, why do I allow myself to be controlled by that instead of to be controlled by um, what God thinks of me? How is that holding me back in my life, in my service, in my thoughts? Um, and then how can I put God in his rightful place in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in this area, so that I can then really be free from that bondage of people pleasing to reach the potential of what God has for me. Um, so this was, it was really good and my husband knows me better than anybody. So reading this with him, um, was good for me to be able to have some conversations with him to think through some of these things like, babe, I struggle in this area, don't I? Or you've no have you noticed this in my life? And you know, how can we kind of, uh, pray through that together. How can I work on this? How can you help me in this area? So it was, it was a really challenging read. Um, anyway, that's it. That's quarter one books for 2023. 16 books so far. I really thought I'd get through them faster than this, but it's books and I should have known better. I love books. Um, so anyway, I would love to know what you're reading. Feel free to send me a message on Instagram if you have a book that you read that you just think is amazing that you think Brittany should read. Um, you can feel free to email me at nohighercallingpodcast at gmail.com. I love book recommendations. I hope you do as well. Again, you can find those on my Instagram. Um, you can find them on my blog, on my website, nohighercalling.org. Obviously, this podcast episode, you can see a little bit more into my bookshelf on our YouTube channel. I'll link all of that below in the show notes. Um, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get some recommendations. I already have some books that 
I have lined up for the next quarter, and I'm really excited to dive into them and see what God is going to teach me as I try to grow and learn more through reading. So thanks for joining me on this episode, ladies. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.